You now are listening to the audio podcast of Prisoners of Hope, the antidote to what ails your heart. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Witsis. So come on in, pull up a chair, and open up your mind as you get ready to receive the download that hope will bring. Well, good day. Yes, it is a good day. This is Dr. D. And today I want to talk about when darkness comes. And this is part one of a two-part series. In this series, in this session, we're going to talk about what you can do, what can you do when darkness comes. And part two, we're going to talk about what God can do when darkness beseech you. Two parts, what you can do and what God can do. Part two. You know, there's an old saying that says that we're either coming out of a storm You're like, wow, that was amazing. God brought me through. Are you headed into a storm? Things don't look good. It's a storm coming. The sky looks dark. Or you could be in the midst, in the middle of a storm where things are raging all around you. You know, some storms, they are forecast. You could see them coming from a distance. In Colorado, in the mountains, when you get way up there in the mountains, 10,000, 11,000 feet, you can actually hear the storm coming because the treetops are blowing in the distance. You could hear it coming. While some storms are not forecast at all, they seem to come out of the blue. You're like, what the heck was that? We had no idea. That storm is coming. What do we need to know when a storm is raging? Or do you feel that a never-ending storm seems to plague your life? Jesus promises that we will have trouble. Matter of fact, John wrote 1633. This is the NIV version. In this world, you will have trouble. Not you could have trouble, you might, just in case. It says you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Let me give you a little context for this passage. This is right before Jesus was going to um, pay the ultimate price on the cross. And he was talking to his disciples and he was telling them that you're going to suffer. You're going to mourn me. You're going, But they weren't hearing him. You know, has anybody been talking to you? You're not hearing it. They weren't hearing it. And basically, he, he kind of concludes his talk by saying that, hey, you're going to have the trouble. But, you know, I will return and I will overcome the world. In this world, we will have trouble. Do you think Jesus was trying to be negative? He was trying to speak negative over the disciples' lives, their minds? No, on the contrary. The first part of the verse that I left out of John 16:33 is that I have told you these things so that in me, you will have peace. So Jesus is actually talking to the disciples because he's telling them that they would suffer. And even though the disciples would experience mourning and pain after Jesus' death, the Holy Spirit would come to comfort them. 
ultimately the disciples would have peace in Christ. A peace that's eternal. Isn't that amazing? Guess what? Me and you, we're Christ's disciples. According to Webster, the definition of a disciple is a pupil, a follower of, of any teacher or school. A true disciple is just not a learner, but like I said, a follower, one who learns and applies what he or she has learned. So why as followers? Oh, why, oh, why should we have trouble? You know, it's very interesting. We always ask why. And we're assuming that we'll understand the explanation when we're given the reason why. And does the reason why really help you deal with what's happening? We're assuming like I said, that we would understand what's happening. Because the Bible says his ways are not like my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. They're higher than my ways and my thoughts. So which basically means is that I'm thinking linear and Jesus is thinking, I can't, I don't even have a word to describe on what planes he's thinking on. So sometimes the explanation would make you more frustrated than the trouble. <laughs> Okay, so why? Well, I have a proposition. I have a couple of propositions. Why? These these are my thoughts. I'm thinking is because we live in a fallen world, and this happened way back in the garden when Eve and Adam got together and decided to eat of a tree they had no business. <laughs> the world was perfect prior to that, and then the world became imperfect. Okay. It became ugly. And what happens when you have a fallen world? You have trouble. So that explains why Jesus told us we will have trouble. Another thing I think we have trouble is that we have a maturing process. It's a proving process, a purification process that we all have to go through. You don't give a little baby steak. Even though it's the best steak comes from Ruth's Chris, you know, o Omaha steaks, flame and young wrapped in bacon. You don't give a baby that because a baby would choke. So we go through a proving process, a maturing process. The Bible talks about from glory to glory. But so that's perhaps the maturing process the Bible is referring to. So since we cannot avoid darkness, it's going to come in all of our lives. What should we do when we're faced with darkness? Well, the same thing you would do if you walked into a dark room. You would look around and you would seek out a light. If there was a light source, you would focus on it. Right. If you had a light source, you would focus on it. And if you didn't have one, you would probably try to produce your cell phone to make a light source so you could focus it out and see what's happening. So you're going to focus on a light source. And what is our light source? Well, your light source is your refuge. OK, your refuge. Matter of fact, Psalms 9, 9 says the Lord is the refuge for the oppressed, oppressed, i.e. people in trouble, a stronghold in times of trouble. So he's a respite for people when they are in trouble, a place of security and rest. That's one of the lights you can focus on is your refuge.
You can also focus on your blessings. Your blessings is a light in the darkness. When you focus on your blessings, I call it a thankfulness directive. I thank God for whatever, dot, 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 dot. Would it surprise you to learn that thankfulness is mentioned in 73 times? I think over 73 times in the New Testament and over 20 times in the Gospels alone. Have you heard this song, Count Your Blessings One by One? I, I can't remember. Remember, we used to sing it in Sunday school. It's impossible to consume or to hold two opposing thoughts at once, like the negative and the positive. You can think negatively and then one moment think positively, but it's hard to think negative positive at the same time. When you begin to count your blessings, your perceptions of your current situation changes. This practice brings light, which dissipates the darkness. It brings light into the situation. See, your focus is so important because your focus directs what your life experience is going to be like. You say, I don't believe that. Well, let me give you a simple demonstration. Have you ever looked for something that was right there? Because you weren't focusing on it, so you didn't see it. Perhaps it was the keys that were right in your hand, right? You have keys right in your hand. You're like, well, I've never done that. What about your glasses that are right on your face? Now you quiet down. (laughs) You need to think about good things for personal victory in every situation. Matter of fact, Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, I just love this passage. I want you to think on whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, I want you to think on such things. So, focusing your blessings is a way to bring light into a dark situation. Continuing down our light-seeking to-do list when darkness comes, the next thing I want to talk about, you need to seek wisdom. Wisdom is a light in the darkness, is definitely a light in the darkness. There is wisdom that's available. Well, you say, well, I, I, I don't have wisdom. Well, according to James 1.5 ESV version, it says that if you don't have wisdom, all you have to do is ask God and he will give you wisdom without reproach. That's James 1.5. So all you have to do is ask to find that light in the darkness. Another thing you could do when you're seeking wisdom is that you need to listen to advice and accept instruction so that you will gain wisdom in the future. You can't do anything about the past. This is Proverbs 1920 ESV version. It says, listen to advice and accept instruction. Accept instruction. Accept. I said that several times because we listen, but we, we, we go about and we don't do what it takes that you may gain wisdom 
in the future. Another strategy that you can use, which is very important to gain light in the darkness, is to exercise reflection. And reflection means to take some time to seriously examine your thoughts, seriously consider, contemplate, deliver, mull over, whatever adjective you want to use. You need to think about what are your dominant thoughts. Joyce Meyer says, think about what you're thinking about. Ask yourself, what do you need to learn? What lessons can you glean during this downtime, this dark time, this time in the desert? Perhaps you can talk through this reflection process with a godly friend or our God-focused professional counselor. Now, I did say godly. I'm going to emphasize godly because you want to talk to somebody, whether it be a friend or a professional counselor, that would direct you away from the worldly things and to the more godly, eternal things of the world. So make sure that where you get your advice from is worth the advice it gets you get. That's wisdom in itself. Proverbs 27, 19 talks about reflection. It says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Wow, that could be good and bad news. The good news is that your life is a reflection of the ideas and the faith you hold in your heart. The areas which you spend a lot of time and energy in in the, can't say that word energy <laughs> reveals what's important to you what have you spent your time and energy on that's what's important remember there are four things that you can do when darkness comes because it will come you can take refuge you can focus your blessings you can seek out wisdom and you can exercise reflection. Taking these actions will produce hope for a bright future. Until next time, signing off, Dr. D. My hope is that this journey has been fruitful and you're able to take it and apply it to your life. Until next time, Tune in again for the Prisoners of Hope podcast. God bless.